have reached your destination. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper. This is episode 15. I'm Suzanne Sherman, and Jeff Johnson and I today will be discussing sheltering in place when evacuation is not required. Before we get rolling, I want to remind you we are not ever going to advocate sheltering in place when you're undergoing mandatory evacuation orders. The number one rule of survival is to get out of the way, but if you do not have to escape anywhere, how can you stay home in times of trouble, social unrest, or other natural disasters? Before we get started, facebook.com forward slash the Red Hot Chili Prepper is where you could find us, PolitiPrep Politi Podcast, as well as their fan page, and Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show, if you're interested in some of our political uh, points of view, for as long as Facebook will continue to allow those. Anchor FM, if you can't listen to us live on Facebook, we're available there, also on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Please like, rate, share, comment. You can support our shows also for as little as 99 cents a month. SuzanneCSherman.com is my website, and we're going to be putting some more articles up there as well. You can also support us from that page. And uh, today we're going to talk about sheltering in place. Jeff, we uh, want to make sure, again, if you are in harm's way, there's a storm surge or a wildfire do get out. But let's talk about some ways that you can prepare your shelter. We just did a show on the basics of preparedness. That was episode 14. But if you are going to stay home, what do you need to do to make sure that your home is a place that's going to be a reliable and safe place for yourself or your families? If there's no, if there's going to be a hurricane, and again, you're not under evacuation orders, what are some of the things you can do? Jeff, I've never experienced a hurricane. I always thought it'd be kind of cool to see one. But uh, have you been in one? Uh, a number of them, actually. Uh, growing really? up on a little, yeah, growing up on a little island on the east coast, uh, yeah, we tend to have tended to have hurricanes. So, yes, as a young child, I remember doing it. And you know what? As a as a young child, uh, I, let's see, Agnes came through in '72, so I was ten. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a little scary for a ten year old, um, but we stayed in place. And at some point, we thought, "Oh, maybe this wasn't a good idea." Now we happened to be on one of the higher points, so there a lot of there was some flooding in front of the house and stuff, but it wasn't very uh, very bad flooding. Where other places were lower on the island, and they flooded substantially. So yes, I've lived through them. Um, they're interesting. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a different thing. And uh, living inland, so if you would live inland, you may not need to evacuate because you're not going to get the storm surge. If you're far enough inland, you're going to get the wind and other damages, but you're not going to have necessarily the flooding problem that they would on a coast. So, yes, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's reasons why you may choose to stay in place in face of a, a natural disaster. Well, you might want to protect your home as well, because we know that there are in times of, of disaster or natural, uh, you know, man-made calamities as well, that there are a lot of uh, opportunists out there who will try to take advantage of your situation. And, uh, you know, one thing is to consider now outside of your home first. You had mentioned the high winds, Jeff. So if you have trees that have some branches that are dead, that those could become projectiles and go through your walls, let alone your windows. 
I would trim those down as well. I would also bring in any furniture or anything that people have outside, um, you know, containers for potting, you know, pottery, garden containers, things like that, gardening implements, anything that can become a projectile that you can secure, put away, put in a garage, make sure that they can't fly around, fly through your windows. And also, you know, if you live in an area, again, I've seen with all the wildfires going on in California, a friend of mine, while they were under the evacuation watch, were frantically raking up all the dead leaves that had accumulated in their yards as well. Try to keep a cleared area. Jeff, you have a firefighter background. How far should trees and other vegetation be uh, cleared from your yard? All right, your home, I'm sorry. Well, it depends on uh, on the trees and stuff. Uh, you de- what you really want to do is that dead stuff underneath them. So, like if there's a lot of leaves and dead branches down, you want to somehow get those back away from the house so that there's not all that stuff underneath the trees that can burn. Uh, the trees, it, it just it really depends. You might want you probably would want you know a good fifty feet. Any di- whatever the, the height of the tree is, if it would fall, hit the house. You definitely want at least that far. And it depends on the materials that on the outside of the house, if you have plastic siding, you know, you're going to want to have a little bit more. If you have asphalt roofing, you'll want more. If you have steel roofing, you can have a little bit less because the embers are not going to land on that steel and start a fire. So it it really is dependent on on a lot of different things. And I want to go back and say we talked about it in the last episode in 14. Uh, you want to get uh, Dr. Um, the book. Um, Arthur T. Bradley's book. You can stand it up in front of your screen again. You'll want to get yeah. that because this will that'll help you. He'll give you some information. It might help you on decisions on the five horsemen here on the, <clears throat> on this continent because that's what he calls them: the hurricanes, the tornadoes, wildfires, and the the five horsemen. So he'll give you some information on whether to stay or to go. That'd be a good book to have as a resource to help you make good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, windows, uh, window treatments as well. Uh, I know out there they have something called hurricane glass that I guess is supposed to be break resistant. And even if I had that, I think if I was in an area that was uh, going to be subject to that, I would keep some plywood or other ways to shore up the windows on hand ahead of time. Some people might have to consider uh, sandbags, things like that, that they can use. And again, that's where you can come together as a community where you've seen people get together and fill the sandbags and distribute them as well. Have an adequate amount of water on hand. You might not be able to leave for some time uh, for numerous reasons. The roads the roads could be blocked from either fires. The Interstate 80, when we went to drive out to California, was shut down going through Vacaville. And you could see where the uh, where the fire jumped the freeway. And right in the middle of all that, there was a house that managed to remain standing with the blackened fire all around them. So you can bet that they did what they needed to do to keep the the fire from getting right up to their house. Very, very lucky, but it was remarkable. I wish I could have gotten a, gotten a picture for that. So I would say fortify your home. Make sure that if you're going to be staying in there, especially for some time, you want to think about security uh, in case we, you know, you have to deal with some of the opportunistic people out there and pick your way how, how you feel like you want to be safe. But definitely fortify your home, harden your targets, make sure your doors are in good repair, aren't going to fly in uh, if, if something happens to them. Cover your windows if you have to. Secure an adequate amount of water. We mentioned that earlier for your family and then have food that's ready to go 
in one of these situations where you have to shelter in place, you might not have power available. I have a generator. I highly recommend uh, getting, I have a Generac. Um, it's worked very well for me. I've had it for seven years now. So have some sort of an alternative source of power, be it a portable one. In fact, I had an old Honda. We hadn't fired it up <clears throat> in literally 20 years. And I just gave it to um, my boy's dad. And I said, we, we started up, we pulled that, that string one time and that thing fired up immediately. So have something that's reliable. Well, I think last year, Jeff, we were talking about people that were trying to start their generators when they needed them, who hadn't addressed the issue and the generators weren't working. Make sure they're in good working order. Uh, we were lucky that we didn't need that that Honda, but it was there for us when we needed it. Yeah, so, yeah and the other thing is you have to remember that a lot of the times these generators won't, will not be starting because you're running ethanol gas in them and it destroys the carburetors on them. So make sure you're you're spending the extra money and buying the non-ethanol gas for all your small engines that are carbureted because that that alcohol is is terrible for those engines. It, so if you're relying on this to be a lifesaver, don't do that if you're running ethanol. If you are, you're going to need to make sure you have someone that's a mechanic that is checking the jets on those, cleaning them out, getting it so they're, they're ready to use at least once a year, make sure that they're getting uh, properly maintained if you're using ethanol gas. So yes, that was... Uh, that was good. Remember, I forgot all about that show. And one of the things, one of the reasons I really love canning my own food is I know I have, I have canned meals that are ready to go. I have soups, I have stews, I have chilies, I have meats that are already ready that are cooked, but you can dump in something else and, and add to any meal that you're already cooking. I like those. That's the same purpose also as having canned, you know, canned soups. I also say if you're going to get some canned goods, Try and give yourself a little break and get the ones like chunky soups have the pop tops on them. Uh, other place, other and other manufacturers also make soups and foods that you can just use a pop top because I guarantee when the power's out, everybody's freaking out. You will not be able to find that can opener. I don't care if you have 50 of them, you're not going to be able to find them. So do yourself a favor because some people do try to open them. I've, we've done it ourselves out in the woods with a knife. Uh, you can really slice yourself, your hand wide open if you don't know what you're doing. So just be kind to yourself and get the pop tops if you're, you know, if you have the, the canned goods there. I find myself, Jeff, now that I make so, so much of my own food, if I open up a can of soup, I don't like the flavor anymore. That being said, if I'm hungry, power's out, that's all I got, I will eat that. So the food, water, the shelter, make sure that you have medication on hand if you uh, know that you're going to need some and you take medication on a daily basis, see if you can make sure that you have enough to get you through a, at least a week at a time. Kind of like a gas can, you know, gas tank, I don't like to run out if you know you're going to need more. Unfortunately, because of insurance issues, they might not let you get any more until they, it's a time when you would have run out, which is very frustrating. Another reason why I like to keep certain medications on hand that you don't need to get from a prescription, I'm not saying to misuse your prescriptions or give them to any anybody else, but there are some that you can get without prescriptions like antibiotics. So um, medical supplies as well. These are all things that we also tied into our, our show that we just did about how to prepare on a budget. So think about how you're going to prepare your home. Work with other people in your neighborhood as well on helping them have their homes secured as well, because if if something fails on your home, if a window still gets broken in or your roof collapses or something, 
if you've got a system in a community, you can go in and, and be with somebody else. So do have a plan in effect in the unfortunate incident if your home's structural integrity is ever compromised. Think about using your car as a shelter if you have to. So uh, do you want to read that for me, Jeff? I can't really see it with this on the phone. Okay, well, uh, Donna said that uh, P38 and P51 can openers come in handy and are available on Amazon. I'm not sure what they are, uh, but if you go look them up, I'm sure uh, I don't have time to look them up at the, during the show. But uh, the can openers are always handy. Uh, and I wanted to just kind of go back to gas cans. Some uh, There's two things that you brought to mind. Gas cans. Uh, you may be living in a condo complex and may not be able to store gas, mm -hmm. gasoline. Um, and another thing with that, it, do not store it inside your house. That That is such a fire danger. So if you are in a complex that does not do it, uh, don't store it in your house. You are taking your life in your hand doing that. Second thing related to that is if you have a generator in your apartment there. A lot of people that died uh, after this hurricane that just went through Laura. Uh, great number of them died of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. They were running a generator inside their house. If you live in a condo complex, that may not be a very good idea. You may have a little balcony outside. Put it outside, run the court inside. Think about what you're doing before you do it because your life definitely depends on what you're doing. Don't make mistakes. Um, I'll, I'll put this up from Donna. Yes, they are there. I still would not store them inside. They, uh, they are me um, military metal can openers. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the... Uh, I thought you were talking about gasoline storage, about the the uh, sealed can of uh, gasoline cans where they have the their metal and they have a seal on them. I still want to store them inside. You're taking a great risk. The fumes of gasoline are what are very fl uh, flammable. The liquid is, but it's the fumes that are far more flammable than the liquid itself. You know, and you can also keep. I have a bunch of cans of dehydrated fruits and vegetables, and if you can't cook your food safely inside your home or outside, make do, eat what you have. I can, I have, like I said, a plethora of home canned foods, of soups, dehydrated foods, the freeze dried foods. Now, some of those freeze dried foods, remember, you might have to, if you have to boil water and you don't have the means to do so, either if you have a gas stove and you had to shut your gas line off, by the way, do you know how to shut off your gas and water and power if you have to? So. Also, with regards to our discussion on generators, I want to tie that into a little bit about uh, personal security. If you're talking about a long-term scenario, and Jeff, you mentioned don't have your generator in the house, but if you're in a condominium complex and you put that generator outside the house and you're running it, you better make sure you have somebody watching it very closely because it is likely to be, it is likely to walk away on its own. So do do think of that. Something else to consider too, if this goes out long enough, generators are noisy. You can also, um, so that, that will attract attention that you may not want. So you might wanna go completely dark, keep your lights off, have your windows blacked out if you're sheltering in place. We talked about sheltering in place to protect your windows, but you also might wanna black out your windows, have your curtains drawn, significant blackout protection so people don't know if you're home. You also might want to think about showing lights off and on uh, so it does look like the house is occupied. You know, there's not one solution. These are just different things that people don't always think about. Do you want to black it out for privacy or do you want to just have your curtains closed 
but people can still see light so it shows that you're still home. Do you want to illuminate the outside of your door so you can see what's outside of there? So all of these things are things to think about. If you're able to cook food when others aren't, think about who's going to be able to smell that food cooking also in the neighborhood. You might again be attracting unwanted attention. You might have to suck it up for a few days and eat that food right out of the jar. Just chew on those dehydrated fruits and vegetables and what you have and maintain an appearance that you know, you're just as bad off as everybody else. I've also seen some people say, look, if there's a lot of looting, we're seeing a lot of that, or people ransacking houses because of long-term scenario. Um, some people have said, make it look like your house has already been ransacked. Have some garbage and have some stuff outside. The downside to that is it might appear that your house is abandoned and you don't want that as well. But I mean, you you can go down this rabbit hole and talk about this this topic just for hours on end. But what we're going to do first is take a quick break to thank our friends at Anchor and then get back to this. All right, everybody, want to thank you for joining us today. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are talking about bugging in place when you have to shelter in the home. And uh, <clears throat> we talked about people that were opportunistic and why you need to protect your stuff. And our good friend here, Phil, who is not that kind of guy, did say, if you don't have a gun, your food will be my food. And that's something very, uh, that is a lot of people I hear say, this is not an uncommon sentiment. I've seen this on many prepper groups where people say, it's going to be survival of the fittest, survival of the meanest, survival of the toughest. Something to think about. I've seen other people say, you know, I would never hurt somebody if they showed up and they needed food. I would give it to them. I'm I'm absolutely dedicated to the nonviolence method of survival. And if that's your choice, that's up to you. Uh, I would hate to have um, children depending on me if that was my if that was my position or other vulnerable family members. So make sure that is make sure that's a a, a position. For instance, if you're a married person, make sure that your you and your spouse are both committed to the same principle of either aggression or nonviolence, whatever that may be. So sheltering in place, be able to make sure that you have a way to keep a way to keep up and running. If the power goes down, know how to shut off your gas, your water, and uh, the power if you absolutely have to, and have ways to illuminate your house. I love making a fun hobby is survival candles. You can just take mason jars and some soy or beeswax, essential oils if you want. You can get wicks and um, whatever you need to make candles on Amazon and dump those in there. And then the good thing, when you're all done with those, you can still use those canning jars for other purposes. And you'll have a lot of leftover lids if you need them. In fact, I sealed my my uh, candles up. I put the lids and rings on those. So if I need an extra set, or gosh, I have lots of them, of rings and lids for my canning jars, I have them that I already made for the candles. So, I mean, you can just take what, we've, what, take what we told you here and uh, just build out from there. Do you have any other thoughts, any other listener comments, Jeff? We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider for the Wasatch Report. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com.
yes, if before in a disaster where you're sheltering in place, make sure you contact family members, let them know what you're doing so that they know that you're sheltering in place and they know where you're at. So say, well, we're not leaving. We're not leaving the house. We're here. And if it gets too bad, we will uh, somehow make contact with you. And that's where possibly these uh, handheld ham radios may come in handy. It's a disaster. I don't think anyone's going to make a big deal about you using the frequency uh, to make contact outside the area. So establish some sort of communications with others outside the disaster area, if it's a hurricane or a tornado or these wildfires, whatever they are, so that people know what you're doing before you're doing it. And then if you are going to leave, if you've decided to leave and you still have communication, tell them the route you're taking, specifically the route you're taking, every bit of it, so they know that you're taking Route 80 to Route 6 or, or to Route 15 to Route 6 to Route 14 and tell them how you're going to get there so that they can backtrack that if you don't show up in a timely manner. So anyway, uh, make sure you get some good communications with families and friends. Make sure they know what's going on, what you're doing, what your plans are. You know, we've done we've done shows also on communicating when the when the world goes silent. In fact, if you go to SuzanneCSherman.com under the blogs, you will see how to communicate when the world goes silent. That is the name of it. And alternative means of communication. For instance, if the internet goes down, how can you how can you stay in touch? One of the means again is by the ham radios. But do check out that article. Let me know what you uh, do. And yeah, Phil is saying that they have meat fat candles that are on YouTube channels, so you can find that there. As we mentioned yesterday, as we mentioned on the other show, is do while you can get some free knowledge and look up on YouTube if there's something that interests you and you want to learn how to do it. For right now, you can you have that information accessible to you. So um, I think there were some other things I was gonna cover. If you wanna secure your home, uh, one of the items I meant to mention the last show was a push lawnmower, a manual lawnmower. If you can't get gasoline for, their, for your other um, lawnmower, if you have an electric or a gas powered one, and you still have a lot of tall brush that can get tall or grass by your house, have a way to keep that trimmed down. That's something that you can share with your neighbors in a long-term situation. Again, work together as a community. So you have to ask yourself, can you remain safe uh, in one of these areas if you if you shelter in place? One, one thing I really love is the idea of a safe room. And if you can have a safe room that is a place for you and your family to go into, I mean, you can think about an escape route, something like that, if you have a home invasion scenario. I, I was just watching a show the other night and they had a room that had a, um, a false door. So it was just a bookshelf. I mean, that's, that's my ultimate. If I'm gonna shelter in place for any type of long-term social unrest, if I was in an area where I would be at risk, I would love to have something like that. But, you know, we just wanted to throw some ideas out there for you and uh, let us know what you think. You can reach me again at SuzanneCSherman.com. And when my computer's up and running again, you can also get me on Facebook, but that's going to be a little while. Well, that was two shows in one day. All right, everybody, I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. 